Hello, hello, everyone. My name is Luke. I am the uh, writer, editor. Uh, I'm the uh, I'm the main sex appeal, and I'm of course the host of the uh, radio theater mystery feature. Uh, today's episode is going to be interesting, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and pace myself here. I want to take it slow because this is my first completely unscripted episode. I mean, I have bullet points, but they're like they're bad bullet points. I didn't do a good job preparing for today. Basically, what I wanted to do was kind of, kind of give you a, uh, like, just peel, peel back the, uh, pull back the curtain, uh, the, the radio theater's uh, proverbial uh, radio curtain, and I thought it'd just be fun to look at everything in review, try not to be too self-depreciating or self-aggrandizing, uh, and just outline the creative process and how I think. Uh, other people might want to do something similar, or, uh, and, you know, ideally better. Uh, look at everything in review and talk about, uh, what this show has been to me, because, uh, I don't know what form this is going to take moving forward. I set out to make ten episodes. This is my episode nine. I have one in the works, and it's shaping up to be probably the biggest one like at least cast wise biggest cast and probably it's gonna end up being the longest one as well uh i feel that now is a good point to just look back and uh, at everything in review and uh just get everything off my chest before we go into episode 10 and then from there we'll we'll figure it out <clears throat> so uh let me begin by saying you if you want to do this i cannot recommend it enough at least at least it's something to try out it's been incredibly fun the episode making process usually comes in around in three parts and that's the the writing the recording and the editing phase the writing is that that's been all over the place enjoyment wise but consistently coming in to record with uh my friends has been just wonderful i cannot even begin to tell you how much goofing around and laughing i've had a cut out of every one episode it's always just an incredible thing to do and it's been great to just get out of the house as well and i think it's been a great learning experience for me um i'm a better writer for it i'm a better editor for it and I, it's also highlighted how impossible deadlines can be to me if i let my ego get out of whack and that's going to be a running theme here Every episode has been an exercise in compromise, and uh, that's going to become clearer uh, later down the road. But basically, uh, every episode I've had to uh, uh, I've had to work with deadlines that I'm not really used to because when I have a creative project, it's usually just for me, you know. Um, so this has just been this has been great because also I want to start a career in uh, uh, in creative productions of some kind. So this has just been a nice exercise for that. And hey, resume fodder. But, uh, anyway, uh, let's just jump right into the, uh, I think we should do this on an episode by episode basis. Uh, maybe we should skip episode one. I'll go back to that one. And that's mainly just because I have a lot of good things to say about episode one. And I don't know. I, I feel like I shouldn't start with that. Uh, that might be something nice to end on, you know, just like a little little pick me up at the end. Let me begin by saying if you have not listened to any of my previous episodes, that's just that's just fine. Uh, you might get a little more out of this one. Uh, you might get a little more out of this one if you have the context of my previous eight episodes in the back of your mind. But I'm sure 
there's something you can gleam from just listening to a guy tear his own podcast apart as well. <clears throat> but anyway, episode two, Poncha the Astro Farmer. Okay, so this episode was built entirely around one thing. Uh, characters, premise, uh, soundtrack. All of it is second to the vibe. I set out to make a vibe. Uh, specifically, I wanted to make an episode for the stoners out there. <laughs> and that's for no other reason than just I know most of the people listening to this episode, uh, listening to this series, is probably a student in Amsterdam. So I, 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 I want to give the people... I want to give you, the people, what you want. Poncha the Astro Farmer is about a kindly old alien farmer who uh, lives on an asteroid, and he is visited by a, a robot from space who's looking to make him a part of some larger marketing campaign. The music chosen for this is from, I think it's a lo-fi remix of a Pokemon root theme. I can't remember what, it, what I picked exactly. But uh, all of this is just, I, I want, like, we're in quarantine, guys. I, I wanted to give us just something, something nice to just have playing, you know? Something that would relax me. And that's where my actor comes in, Joel, and he... Okay, so, some context, and I think I give this context in the episode itself. We play Dungeons & Dragons, and this is a voice he was doing for one of his characters. And this character, he, he was relaxing, he was gentle, he was kind, and I just really wanted that presence in this episode. So I basically told him not to do anything different. Just play his usual character, whose name is Hemo. Uh, we're, all we're doing is changing his name to Poncho. And he, he kills it. Like, every line he says, I love it so much. I think the impression, I think the voice started as an impression of a ha of Hank Hill. But I think it's become, really become its own thing. And I don't know, I just really like listening to it. And he also kills it as Poncho's grandpa, who comes in later in the, uh, in the episode. Uh, this is a noteworthy episode in that it's the most pun-heavy one, and that's just that's just mainly because I didn't want to be too clever, really. I just wanted to be, like, cutesy, you know? A lot of it's just in service of being cutesy. Uh, having said that, it is a, uh, it ended up being a, uh, critique of late-stage capitalism, uh, which is, I don't know, again, uh, Amsterdam students, I feel like that's a pretty dependable bad guy. It's my, it's my emergency my emergency ripcord if I can't come up with a good theme for anything. It's just like, ah, rrr, capitalism, bad. Yeah. This guy, this guy's got, got it figured out. Uh, the original ending for this episode was very messy because I came up with the idea of a farmer on an asteroid, and in my mind, in my mind, that really lent itself well to a quarantine metaphor because it's like, oh, it's a guy stuck on a little little space and he has like a daily routine okay like it's that that me that me in quarantine uh the problem is there's a lot to say about quarantine for everyone and I, by all like here's the thing i don't think i have it that bad compared to the most people in quarantine i I'm, i was handling it okay at this point and so i really the ending just is me making a bunch of sweeping general statements about oh how lonely i am but also how uh shut off i feel and uh i have my routine and that's all like it just, it's just it's so non-specific because i was a like i didn't want to make it a whole pity party but also it just said nothing so yeah 
boo capitalism. That's <laughs> that's my ripcord. And it works. And also, things just kind of really fell into place once I decided that it was an anti-capitalism uh, narrative. I made the robot. Uh, that's where the idea of the robot being part of a marketing campaign comes from. That's where the idea of Starbucks being a destroyer of worlds comes from. It all just comes so naturally out of the idea of late-stage space capitalism. Anyway, uh, episode three, Tom the Socialoid. Let me begin with that title. Uh, that went through several several iterations. Uh, it was originally Tom the Worm, I think. And then from there, I realized that was a bad title, and I came up with Tom the Insect. That was a bad title, so I changed it to Tom the Insectoid. That's a bad title, so I changed it to Tom the Socialoid because it's about a, a bug at a party. I'm like, hey. and then like if. I was given one more day, I probably would have thought that was a bad title and come up with something else, but I had to record that day, so it's, it's, that's the title. So this has the biggest, uh, cast I've ever had for any of these episodes, and that's because I really wanted it to be a, uh, I had this idea of a party, and I wanted to express how I, as kind of an awkward-ish person, feel at parties, because I don't think I'm, I think I'm outgoing, but I am, like, self-conscious, so... What I wanted to do was just heighten that, uh, the thoughts I would have naturally in a party, uh, party setting to the point where it's just like crazy sociopath, uh, alien, or whatever he is. I don't think I really explained what he is. He's like a, he's a parasite or something. I don't know. You figure out what a socialoid is. The way I act at parties is that I d tend to subconsciously strategize, so if I know no one there, I'll... At some point, I'll talk to someone and we'll get some kind of inside joke going. And so, like, as soon as they, as soon as they leave, I'm just like, okay, good. That is my, <laughs> that, that, that's my home base. I can go there. I can go to this person. And then we can, I, we, I can fall back on our inside joke. And that'll be a semi-comfortable social interaction in case, if everything else starts getting out of hand and, like, I can't connect to other people. Great. Um, so I'm just taking that and I'm heightening it to the, like... This crazy Stewie Griffin, uh, fucking alien creature who's just looking to, to fi procure a, a flesh bag for consumption later. Uh, it, also that, that voice was just really fun. Uh, I think the editing's really good at selling the, uh, transition between Tom's internal thoughts and what he's actually saying externally. Because I have two voices that I, I cycle through uh, in this episode. And then on top of that, I have this lovely insect buzzing that I uh, have played softly over everything. Back to the big cast here. Joachim is a close friend of mine, and he is such a good asshole. Man, like, here's the thing. If you know him in real life, he's a total sweetheart. He draws pictures of dinosaurs. And they're in uh, Disney-esque style. It's incredible. Put him in front of a microphone. God, I want to punch him. He does such a good job of just being a total dumbass who is a good, like, mirror to Tom who just wants to eat people. This guy is just, like, a total uh, uh, sexist frat boy. And uh, I think that I, I think it's just great to have that presence there. Also, with him, I had Isabel come in, and she plays a... I think I characterize her as like a, a another dumbass kind of, but like she's into like she's very spiritual or something. 
I'll talk more about her later. Again, this is a big cast, so I had to record uh, incrementally. I think I never had more than two people in the recording studio at a time. Uh, these two people came in. We got Boba Tea afterwards, it was lovely. I had Xenia come in. What a trooper. She came in directly after work, still in her uniform, uh, and she nailed it. And I don't, like, she has to play such an emotionally vulnerable girl. It's like this girl that uh, Tom has had his eye on throughout the entire night. At the very end, he sees her in an emotionally vulnerable state. He could, like, take her home and devour her alive if he chose to, but it's just like a... It's a nice turning point. I think it's sweet. And it's a nice, wholesome ending. That, uh, originally, I had no idea how I wasn't going to end it. It was my brother who pitched that uh, he saves the girl and eats this other guy. And this other guy's name, this guy's name is Bryce Tannerman. I don't know why, but I really like the name Bryce Tannerman. <laughs> I've used it in other things since this episode. I, I don't know what it is. I, the script did not have that many uh, Bryce Tannermans in it, but I couldn't stop myself from constantly saying his name. So anyway, I had Iris and her boyfriend Vout uh, record for me in uh, like on the complete other end of Holland, uh, and they they got in a uh, got in a closet together uh, with their Blue Yeti microphone, and they knocked out their lines. So Iris played a straight like a straight man uh, to. Uh, the socialoid and she does a pretty good job i'd say more about it but they really i didn't really put that much in for her to do and that's fine she comes back later she has a better part for her later on v oh my god her boyfriend vowed who plays bryce tannerman probably has the when it comes to by pure ratio he probably has the best outstanding lines to neutral lines of any other actor i've ever had come in uh, and that's because I think he has like three lines, and each one of them is just a banger. <laughs> I especially love his death uh, at the very end, where he just announces his own name, because again, I just like hearing the name. He announces his own name as he's being consumed, and the intonation was so important to me that I actually, I was in Amsterdam at the time, and what I did was I took out my phone, opened WhatsApp, and just basically sent Iris a message where I'm like, okay, Iris, uh, 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 for, for Bryce Tannerman's death, he needs to sound like, like, like this. Hang on. <clears throat> and like, I, I, I don't even remember what I did, but like so many people walked by me in that moment, just thinking I was just an, an, an insane person. And I, I probably still have the WhatsApp message. So I'm just going to play that right now. My name was Bryce Tannerman. Tell my story. My uh, main problem with this episode is that the script's just a little undercooked. Uh, this is the first time I was really feeling a deadline. I think I was writing up until the first person came in to record. And because people came in on different days, I would leave certain parts half-finished uh, and complete them just before they came in, like just a couple days later. Um, and what that's done is it's just... There's some jokes that just don't get payoffs. There's some characters that are just added that don't really need to be there. Uh, Isabel, she has a, like, first of all, I think Isabel does a great job. I actually really like her voice. And if this show is to continue, I think I'm gonna have her back because I do, in retrospect, good voice. The problem is I don't really have any jokes for her because I think a lot of them are just, haha, she's dumb. And at one point I even 
like have her mention that she believes in horoscopes which is just if you're into that it's fine you can like horoscopes it but like the way it's worded it seems like oh haha horoscope this is the setup and punchline and it's just really weak and then also you can remove Isabel's character it doesn't change anything I think I had some idea when I was writing her that she'd come back later and it's like oh Rice Tannerman was cheating on his girlfriend with uh, uh, Isabel's character, and uh, that's why she brought up uh, star signs, because they're, like, really compatible or something like that. Uh, that's not a good joke. Like, here's the thing. I wrote I wrote the script. If I wrote it again, I'd probably add that ending uh, with her and Bryce Tannerman cheating on his girlfriend. And then if I went over it one more time, I'd remove it, because it, it's not that funny. I'd, I'd come up with something else, hopefully. Yeah, that's just the downfall of this episode. I think it's a beyond that, it's one of my favorites. It, it's one that when I go when I went back to it in preparation for today, I really did uh, I liked it a lot more. The Life and Times of the Griffiths. Oh, I I actually really like this episode. I began this uh, saying that episode one is probably my favorite. Um, and that's still true, but I would say that the Life and Times of the Griffiths is the most technically well made because and i'll talk about this later with episode one but episode one is just a little like i'm green still you this one everything's just really nice i like it i had my two british friends marcus and emily and it was important that they were british because otherwise i think that they'd be i i had a specific uh dry british uh wit in mind that i think really came through with these two marcus is just an incredible actor like honestly i've um uh just the other day i was called and by someone else working at slim and they and they asked if i could uh read for this part uh for one of their videos uh they said like i think you're gonna be perfect for this uh you just have to be able to do a british accent and i'm like <laughs> no so i recommended marcus and as far as i can tell from what i've heard he killed it i haven't seen the what he they actually made but a from what I've heard, Marcus did a great job. Emily's also in this. Emily is a, this wonderful, posher counterpart to uh, Marcus's character. And they, like, I think they really play off each other in a really nice way. I got several messages after the episode aired complimenting them on their chemistry. I, like, honestly, I could just have these two in front of a microphone for like, hours just talking among, uh, between each other. And I would enjoy it. I think there's a bunch of really good lines here. I think it's sweet when it needs to be. I also like how the time jumps really uh added this idea of the fact that my episodes are so short pretty much ensures i can't really have a long form storytelling but because they're jumping forward in time you really get this idea of okay they're uh they're a year in the future they're five years in the future they're 10 years in the future and with each jump i get the opportunity to really shift the tone so it'll go from funny to suddenly it'll be dark uh, because like something just happened and then uh, it will be casual uh, melancholic scene it'll be creepy and then suddenly it'll be funny again and it creates a really dynamic feel I really like how the editing conveys that with like I have a fast-forwarding sound effect to the tape uh, I think again I just think this is a really solid episode I don't have a lot of negative things to say about it with each of my episodes, I noticed the titles had been naturally getting longer, and it was this time that I thought, eh, let me see if I, how, how far I can push this. So I pitched them the episode title, The Slim Radio Theater Mystery Feature, Episode 5, 
Crawford J. Jackson Jr.'s Magical Extermination and Relocation Service. And uh, George had to be the one to come back to me saying, Luke, we can't... We can't fit that on the promotional material. And so, okay, uh, you're disrespecting my initial creative vision with that title, but fine, Crawford Jr.'s Magic Extermination Service, I guess that's just fine. This is an episode where I'm a little more disappointed in the end result, but uh, I'll get to the specifics of that uh, later. Let's begin with some positives. I think that there's some... I think there's a really good Disney joke at the beginning when he like opens the door to see like all the pots and pans are uh, animated. I think that just reads really well. I think it's got some really good timing. Iris does a great job here. Uh, she plays a brothel owner. Picking brothel owner as her uh, her job was kind of a tactical choice because I was doing all this very last minute and I needed my I needed actors come in pretty quickly because like I didn't plan this well. I just knew that Iris would really like being a brothel owner so that's that's why it's in a brothel also robin's back and man he does such a i think he plays like two different characters and both of them just have crazy voices uh the recording session for this one more so than in previous ones was just so fun because it was everyone just doing dumb voices in the editing uh, i think i really found a lot of jokes both uh both the disney one uh the very beginning as well as the when uh crawford takes a blunderbuss and he just starts shooting pixies we recorded a bunch of lines of pixies just being scared or hurt or something like that and when i pitched them up it just was so funny to me um this episode was written when i was kind of like just feeling kind of depressed because you know uh personal things are happening and then also quarantine was making it all worse this this episode was a really nice there's a personal character arc to it because i s write the script re feeling really like shit and then i come in to record uh i'm writing the script up until we press the recording button uh robin and iris uh have so much fun with it uh i have fun with it uh it's just a really nice atmosphere and then like later when i take the footage home edit it it just, it, there's all these, like, moments that I start laughing at again, and I know, it, like, here's the thing, we're in quarantine, like, negative emotions are gonna ebb and flow, but, like, this was just an episode that really brought me, uh, brought me a modicum of joy, uh, and I appreciate that. Let's get to some of my grievances. I, the problem with this is, in much the same way Tom the Socialoid's problem is that the script is undercooked, this one has an, has an even rawer script. Uh, there's a bunch of things that are set up but aren't really paid off. Crawford, I think is it's alluded to that he is a younger person who's just been cursed to look older, and there were jokes that could have come from that and just didn't. They're in a brothel. Jokes could have come of that, and they just didn't. And then also, it just it doesn't really have an ending. It just ends, you know? Like, Crawford uh, takes out a gun. He goes up, and he just starts shooting fairies and then it just ends and also there's a line at the end about um the king of the of the brothel fairies wanting to pose a riddle to him and then he shoots him and he just says the answer is time the answer is always time that's something that's only funny to me i guess because like it was a running joke in like some dungeons and dragons games that like all my riddles had the answer of time uh because time is so easy to write riddles for that was a mistake like in the moment i was just trying to get it done i didn't register how much that did not read as a joke to most people and how little sense that made but uh yeah 
Uh, well, this is one of my weaker episodes, but also going into it, I kind of knew it was a burner episode, so I can't be too mad at it. The Infernal Express. Uh, this is a solid, solid script. Uh, this is the... This is one of the last episodes. So we're on episode six now. This is the, I think this is the last episode I'm just fully happy with, really. I th This is my first episode, which is co-written. So I'm gonna talk more about Michael right now. Michael is my script editor and he is, he's such a supportive presence. His feedback is always appreciated. And usually I agree with him. He's the reason we changed Poncho, the Astro Farmer's ending and it's better for it. And Personally, it's very difficult for me to visualize anyone listening to this podcast, so whenever I'm writing a script, the only person I have in mind is Michael, so I'm always setting out to make Michael laugh. And so if there was anyone I was going to co-write something with, it would be him. Having said that, I think that he and I discovered how difficult I am as a creative partner, because usually um, the, there's a bit of a power imbalance between the two of us. I write the entire script, and he just and he just tells me if something's good or not. Uh, in this instance, I had to concede some of my creative power. I'm not saying things got ugly, but I was just difficult. I think that in future I'll be better at that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I this was I, I'm glad I could do this with someone I felt safe around creatively. Um, we begin by saying, this has an ending, which makes it a satisfying episode in my book. I mean, it's open-ended, but it's, it's, there is an arc here. There's a beginning, middle, and end, and then, like, it, here's the thing, each of these episodes kind of act as their own little radio show pilot for their own separate series, so naturally they all are going to be a little open-ended. But, uh, but yeah, this this one just, it, it's satisfying to me. I think that the location, the, the setting being set in hell lends itself well to joke writing. There's just, there was a lot of jokes about being demons or things that are like in hell. Uh, there's a bunch of things about the train itself that I thought were just really interesting. The idea of it transporting sinners across like a dark void. Uh, like the, visually, I thought all of this was very interesting. And usually, I, I find that I can write hell well. I think Michael really does a good job. I've been told he has a really soothing voice in this, and I absolutely agree. Uh, I would say that his performance goes from good to great after he uses the scary mic. Because, I don't know, maybe this was just something that he doesn't really do a lot. So... If I can give uh, any pointers to anyone listening right now, it would be to start with real, the, the really silly moments, because then you can't be self-conscious anymore because you're already spiked in embarrassment. And like he gives a really great performance. Like he's not he's not just an editor and a pretty face. Uh, also, uh, for anyone paying attention to previous episodes, uh, Robin comes back and makes a small cameo. I'll talk about him later, but in my in my luke verse my Luke-verse, my mystery theater universe, uh, he's the devil. So, uh, of course, I had to bring Robin back. And there's a funny story behind that. Uh, this was very last minute. I had him come into my house. I sat him down under a blanket with, my, with a Blue Yeti microphone. And he delivered all the lines, and it was super muffled and weird. And for a moment, I was really stressed out. But then I thought, oh, wait, he's on the phone in this. So it's okay if he sounds a little weird. Ah, problem solved. And that's the that's the episode. And it came together really nice. Uh, this is also the one that uh, I think has the most 
most uh, universal appeal. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of episodes which I really like are very much me. I think this is the episode which would appeal to the most people. And I know that because, like, more people than ever reached out to me saying that they like this episode. So, uh, yeah, that's good feedback for me. This is the kind of stuff that just people like. They like, like, like hell. All right, episode seven, Lotion Thursday. If I were to describe this episode, it would be a uh, god mother pile of piss and I, uh, I don't like this episode at all. This is the episode that makes me the most angry, probably, in retrospect. I think a lot of my problems are just that I was, it's my hubris. It's me leaving this to the last minute. A lot of things that I don't like about previous episodes just come back in this episode full swing. Uh, I think you understand why I left my one of my favorite episodes to the very end, because it's going to get worse before it gets better. And uh, Lotion Thursday was very haphazard. So conceptually, I just took two things that I hadn't covered before, and that was, okay, middle class uh, office workspace. Perfect. Uh, what else have I... Okay, I've done aliens. I've done robots. I've done... Uh, religious figures. I've done uh, fantasy creatures. Oh, Cthulhu. Perfect. Okay, so Office Space Cthulhu. And thematically, there's some overlap. Uh, I just need to find that in the script. And the problem with the script is now more so than ever before, it was all train of thought. I think everything was my first draft. I personally haven't spent a lot of time in office spaces, so I don't have a lot of humor like I don't have a lot of experience I can draw from for for humor so I try to make it more personal to me I hate corporate Twitter accounts so the main character uh, runs a corporate Twitter account but even then I don't think my observations concerning Twitter culture are that unique or even true I think I portray it as so much more vapid than it actually is and not not to say the Twitter isn't vapid it's just I give a very uninteresting uh perspective on this uh, and I was hoping to find the comedy through specificity. Uh, oh, it's like a it's a lotion company, and they're trying to appeal to the youth, which is like weird. Uh, yeah, you can see how well thought through this is. It also doesn't end surprisingly enough. It just things happen. The main character has memory problems throughout, and I will say I think that the editing is a good job of selling that. I think there's a lot of background noises that clue the listener in subconsciously as to what's going on. Another problem with this episode is that the I I made it one time, and then right before I was done editing, I corrupted the file. Like, I don't know what happened. It just, the entire thing fell apart. I had to start again. So I started again, and I just wanted to get it done quickly. Yeah, there's just some things that I left out. Like, um, I think that uh, the boss... When he transforms into like a monster, I think I forgot to put the voice modulator on him one of the three times he spoke, and it just sounds a little awkward. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. This episode really doesn't have a lot going for it. Um, the title Lotion Thursday alludes to something that is mentioned throughout the entire episode, and I think this is kind of interesting in that you hear the title Lotion Thursday, you have nothing but questions, you go in. Characters keep mentioning Lotion Thursday, and they never explain what it is. And at the very end, you find out it's a tweet he made a while ago that caught on for no reason because Twitter is vapid, and I'm 
not good at writing Twitter-based humor. But I think there's the intrigue there, which I can appreciate. My latest episode, episode 8, Immortal Cannibal Rampage. That is a nice, hammy title. I just, I just like that. Uh, I think that the life and times of the Griffiths really uh, highlights the domestic element of all this. At the very end of their, that episode, they b- effectively become monsters, and here I wanted to explore what these people would be like as monsters. Um, it's my first sequel, and it had to be this one, because I feel of all the premises, this is the one that lends itself best to the idea of a sequel, because if they're immortals, I want you to feel the that lifespan i want to i want you to feel length and i think that by giving it a sequel i'm only making that idea stronger of them continuing on so everyone comes back and everyone's bringing their a game uh marcus is marcus you could have him read a restaurant a chinese menu and he'd make it sound fantastic emily comes in wonderful posh voice and i also have my friend joel come back and he does so he was the voice of poncho and in this one, he sounds more like himself, and he does an incredible job of playing a disgraced, hard-boiled detective type coming after these two immortal cannibals. And I really liked that uh, the dichotomy of that, because in the first episode, the story is told through these, these podcast recordings. In this episode, it's revealed that this detective got a hold of these recordings and is spooling through them. It kind of comes to the implication that in the previous episode, you were him listening to the podcast recordings, and which I just I kind of like that on um, like a meta level. On top of that, uh, we cut between Kennedy Briggs, the detective, and the two immortal cannibals. They're no longer recording podcast episodes. They are recorded through other mediums, like they're usually... They're being recorded by someone else, or they're on the phone with each other. So, like, at no point are you listening to them as they actually are. It's always through, like, other machines. It's kind of like a found footage, only a podcast thing. And uh, I think that the editing really sells these breaks, because you you hear the winding of Kennedy Briggs's uh, recording software, and then you hear the sound of a phone, and so you're immediately placed in these devices. You know how you're listening to them. Having said that, I don't really like how this functions as a sequel. I think it's a little weaker than the first episode. That the I, I, I don't think it's it's as dynamic. I don't think the emotions go as high or low as the previous one, which is something I really liked. I don't think it ends, really. The last one was open-ended. This one is open-ended, but you feel it a lot more. And it feels, also the episode just kind of feels inconsequential. Kennedy Briggs doesn't really make a like a difference in the larger narrative of these two immortal cannibals so ideally we would have done more with him i also think it just ends with a kind of awkwardly with like oh marcus's character uh killing and eating him presumably and then that's just it like i've done nothing but raise questions this episode and that's because i had like a whole larger narrative in mind that I wanted to build up to, but again, I just, I really messed up by just not giving myself the time to write it. And that's just, I think that's just the running theme of all the episodes I'm the most disappointed in. I think they could be, all of them could have been good if I just put the time into making them good, but I'm always doing them like so last minute. While I had the actors in the recording studio, I actually told them 
where I wanted the story to go. So I can actually just play that for you right now because I'm not going to finish that. I'm not going to do a third installment in their, in the Immortal Cannibal Saga. So if you liked Immortal Cannibal Rampage and you liked the life and times of the Griffiths, uh, this is where the story was going to go. And then you kill her dad. Oh, no. I'm so sorry about my husband. He always does this. You hear that. It's fine. Can't take him anywhere. I like to imagine that I'm just a poltergeist just hanging around. Yeah. Emily, what you missed is I was like, no, 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 I kill him. And Luke goes, no, you also kill her dad. (laughs) So I do kill him. So actually, okay, so actually, no, I actually lied. Uh, I, you guys would have to collectively kill your dad oh. because uh, basically what your dad was is he's meant to set up this idea of he's the guy who killed the last immortal Mordecai. Uh, oh. It is revealed that only Mord- uh, only immortals can kill immortals. Oh. So your oh. dad. So if I wanted to kill my husband, yeah, yeah. you can do that. Uh, I, so the idea uh, is your father. Can we get a divorce. <laughs> your father wants to no, we're in this stay together alive forever. So death to his past. Can guess what? Oh, we can't. So dad is yeah. killing other immortals. So he's kind of yeah. he's kind of killing other mm. immortals. Mm. Like um, that. And that was going to be more of something that would play out kind of off screen and yeah. be more talked about in retrospect. Oh, and then idea, um, yeah. uh, eventually, what happened is uh, you guys, one or the other, right, doesn't, doesn't matter, uh, would kill your father. Uh, then we continue the story, uh, and gradually what would happen is that it would go from jumping 10 years at a time to 100 no, years at a time cool. to 1,000 years at, at a time. At twilight. Uh, it would, and then eventually it would, you would talk about the rise and falls of civilizations, but like in your like a really casual British way. So the um, Incan Empire, you know, that was a blast. They had chocolate. Yeah. Uh, and so they gone? The, uh, what was... Proposed earlier that it was that you guys were afraid you might turn into those skeletons you saw in the temple, like along, like I had you describe mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. twisted skeletons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's true in the sense that all of humanity is going to die out or evolve beyond into something different, while you guys are going to stay the same. So the idea isn't so much you are going to change into those things. It's that whatever is the new dominant species will think of you as monsters. Oh my god! Because yeah. you're not evolving. Damn, and you don't want to write this? No, I didn't have time. <laughs> no, 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 but like uh, later, like you're not. Eh. Eh. I, I, I mean, here's the thing: like that can theoretically be. I don't think that's better than anything else I could conceivably write. Like, like, mm. uh, like on, like that's just where this was going. Um, oh, and damn. basically, it would end Spooky. with you guys having to make the decision as the last two living creatures on planet, uh, who's going to be the one who kills the other. Yeah. Because you guys, it's kind of like in Hunger Games where it's like, you guys know yeah. that the better option is to die at this point. Okay, so like you could do like a fake out as well. Damn, where it's going to be really yeah. sad when I kill but it's you. just like they're both yeah. like, okay, you got a gun, I got one, three, two, one. Oh, and also it's going to be... It's like one of them's gone, they're like... It was also going to be this, uh, this idea of after you eat someone, the empathy dulls. And then also if you wait to... yourself? You can't kill yourself. He has that. You can't kill yourself. Um, and yeah, it's just then immortality is horrific. Can I do the last one then? Like even creepier and spookier. If it, that's not because now it's like that's spooky as hell. Like the yeah, no, there's a sure, third. Yeah, yeah. Over there. You can try that. You can try that. Finally, 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 uh, the court at the end of eternity, episode one. 
uh, we're going back because this is an episode I just really like. This is the one that I feel best represents my abilities as a writer. I had all the time I needed to write it and finish it. This is actually a script that I initially had partially written for an open mic night where I came on and I just like basically read all the parts. I think part of the appeal was just seeing the physicality of it, like me talking to myself as both the devil and as Jesus Christ. It was interesting repurposing that for a radio play. I think it did translate very well, and I think this is better even. Uh, Robin, this is the first time I had Robin on. I wouldn't have wanted to start with anyone else. Robin is... I, I, I guess I don't really need to introduce Robin or Marco for that matter because they're both this is back when I still did introductions at the beginning of my episodes and uh, eventually I stopped doing that just because it kind of felt like I don't know I was it was recommended that I wouldn't do that but to recap he studies uh, Theater Wetenschappen in the UVA Marco is a fellow media student uh, and both of them just do such a good job. Robin is poised. He's uh, There's a very nice underlying humanity that he really does capture. I, I just really like how Robin does this. And Marco, when posed with, with the question of how does one play a washed up Jesus Christ, he went to Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Holy shit, what a creative choice. I love that idea. And like it comes through so well. Uh, I think it's got a really nice high concept and a strong premise. The idea of Jesus and the devil in a court case for the fate of humanity, I think that it's very... I think the idea of this being the single most important court case to our race is intriguing. I, I just really like the ending. It's got a nice wholesome message. Again, this is the kind of stuff I, I think is a good representation of my abilities as a writer. I've really enjoyed uh, writing for the Slim Radio. This isn't like my job though, so like I can't really fully invest myself in every one episode. Like I have other things going on. Uh, if I had to find something to poke at, I think that, so I have two things. Uh, one, um, I was greener, as I said earlier. The editing's a little weaker. I think I could do, tighten it up a little more if I did it now. I think that the, uh, I think that my actor, my directing was a little off because I sent them the script way early. Uh, they could read it over uh, several times. We met up, then we read through the entire thing. Some uh, Slim Radio people came in and they, I don't know, I was a new podcast, there was a novelty to me, they wanted to hear it. So we gave a small performance again. Uh, and by the time we were going to record, my actors were tired. They still carried on and they still did a great job. It's just that I think for some specific lines, the best readings of them were done when the recording software was turned off. So uh, that's uh, that's some advice I can give to you if you're if you want to do something like this. Have your script on hand. You just read it as you're recording because you can just like here's the thing. If you're doing a podcast, you can have the script in front of you. No one will know. You might like just make sure that the recording is the first take. And if they if the actors like don't read it how you imagined it, you can stop them, ask them to re-record it. Like you know, it just, a real casual environment, and I think you'll have a better performance in the end. And uh, yeah, I think that concludes my radio theater mystery feature season one uh, review. Overall, I think that I can look back at this as something I am proud of. Uh, if I move, if I move on to something 
else for Slim Radio. I think it will be under a different title, probably, because I do kind of want to shake things up. This anthology thing is, I think it lends itself well to coming up with concepts in the moment, but I think it's difficult to create characters people care about if they don't have, if, if they can't stay with them for any significant length of time. I was kind of experimenting with that with the Life and Times of the Griffiths and the uh, Immortal Cannibal Rampage episodes. I think I'd probably want to do something like that uh, maybe for multiple episodes if I keep going or I might even stop after episode 10. I need to still like figure out what I want to do. Because we're in quarantine, and this hasn't been something that has been completely effortless for me. Uh, yeah, I just need to really, like, ask myself, while I'm working on episode 10, if this is a song I want to keep doing. I'm probably going to do, continue working with Slim Radio. It, just because this is a, a good, good exercise for me. Uh, the people here are so great. I wouldn't want to drop out just as uh, quarantine's starting to relax a little bit. Like, I don't know, maybe some more events will be planned. I haven't gotten to meet any Slim Radio member as much as I'd want to. So in conclusion, this has been wonderful. Uh, I really enjoy uh, looking at my own creative projects critically. I think that even in reading, like just speaking out loud here, I think I've kind of discovered some reoccurring problems I have. And I hope to go into episode 10 with all the, the, the squeaky wheels greased up. And I'm just going to really try for episode 10. I really want to make a good episode here. Um, yeah. Oh my god, it's a giant eagle! <coughs> my name is Luke Huygens. Tell my story!